0: got your heads up everybody there you go that's good stuff Uh, we are going to celebrate communion at this time Uh, I invite our guest services folks if you could grab the trays Uh, anybody not get a communion packet lift your hand up we'll get one to you right down here Uh, right in the front row here Larry good deal so anybody else right right down here as well Mr. Tim needs one. Very good. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony get missed? Yeah. I think we got the balcony. Here we come. Thank you, Henry. Okay. As, uh, as they get those packets out, I'd like to read from uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Christ suffered for our sins... Once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Okay, Christ suffered for our sins once for all of time. And that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating what Jesus has done for us, his perfect timing in coming to earth for us, Uh, His willingness to take our place on the cross. His power not to stay dead, but to literally, bodily, physically resurrect from the dead for you and for me. And that's what we celebrate right now. But uh, I'd like you just to take a few moments with me. Would you bow your heads? Let's uh, prepare our hearts and our minds before we just go running in and, and remembering it with the bread and with the juice, but uh, just calm your hearts, focus on what Jesus has done, and what we're celebrating is His forgiveness of our sin. So for us to celebrate and not deal with sin is just kind of to treat this time casually and flippantly. So let's not do that. Uh, Paul warns there are serious consequences if you just uh, no big deal. No, this is a big deal, and Lord, if there's sin that we've participated in this past week—thought, word, deed—would you show us? We want to. We want to truly take this seriously. And as you point sin out, we're not just going to shove it under the rug or ignore it or blame somebody else. We're going to call it what you call it. You call it sin, Jesus. We're going to call it the same thing. And we're going to do the U-turn. And we're going to run to the cross, the place of forgiveness and cleansing and healing and wholeness. And we're going to write that check of confession right now. Whatever you're making clear that you call sin, we call it too. And as we confess, you've promised 1 John 1. If we confess our sin, you're faithful. You're always going to wash and cleanse and purify us. So would you do that even right now? We want to be back in right relationship with you. We want to be ready to celebrate what you've done for us as we celebrate communion. of our elders, Myron Matt, is just going to take a moment and thank the Lord for his willingness to offer his sinless body for us on the cross.
1: Lord, uh, as we gather in your presence, it's hard for us to fathom uh, everything you went
0: through that day on the cross. Lord, we we, uh, tend to uh,
1: think about ourselves, Lord, but you hung there willingly. You came down from your glory in heaven. Lord, you died for all of our sins. You knew what you were doing. You went to the cross. We'd love for us. And Lord, we stand as a very grateful and thankful people for what you did that day, allowing your body to be broken on the cross for us. So thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's remove that top seal. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God's Word tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus willingly allowed His blood to flow on that cross. Another elder here at Walloon, Jack Coates, would you uh, praise the Lord for allowing His blood to be shed on the cross for our sin problem?
1: Uh, Lord, we know you're our source of uh, strength. Um, no matter what we f- face, you seem to be, uh, you're always with us, and we can always uh, be guaranteed of that, and Lord, we also know that uh, we can take uh, refuge in, in you, and uh, Lord, you're also uh, the Lord of uh, salvation, the Lord of peace, the Lord of mercy, and the Lord of grace. And um, we come before you humbly and honestly today. And uh, we, we know that uh, what you did um, going to the cross, that uh, uh, you went through a lot of agony and pain. And uh, you were flogged and beaten and spat at. Uh, you were mocked, you were ridiculed, and Lord, uh, when you got to the cross, I can't even comprehend and the nail, nails are going through your hands and your feet, and we, and we know that you did it for, for us, and so everything you did, Lord, we know and we appreciate and we love you. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. you
0: carefully open that second seal, hold on tight to the cup, I think that's the secret, and uh, remove that second seal. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five says, in the same manner after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Hmm. As we uh, exit this morning, uh, the guest services team will be at each of the doors, and uh, our custom is we receive a benevolent offering every time we celebrate communion, which is the first Sunday of every month. So uh, Benevolent Offering takes care of two things, needs in the church family, and it funds our needs ministry, which meets Pastor Chad Third third Tuesday of each month. And if you know somebody in the community who's in need, see Pastor Chad, he'll get you more details, but he heads that ministry up very, very well. Uh, love Hurt, Love Hurts. Uh, we've got resources and I want to talk to you today, Dan, let's put that picture up. This book is The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy and uh, truthfully, we could make a series just based on this book, but most of what we're going to talk about here today uh, is talked about in great detail And if you're thinking at the end of today, you know, I could use more, uh, go to the resources page, um, and that will be on there, and you can get details, and you can order yourself up a copy of The Peacemaker. Highly recommend that book. Two men lived in a small village, got into a terrible dispute They couldn't resolve it, so they decided, we're going to go to the village elder. And the first man went to the elder's home and told his version of what happened. And when he finished, the village elder looked at him and said, you're absolutely right. The next day, the second man called on the village elder and told him his side of the story. And after he got done speaking, the village elder turned to him and said, You're absolutely right. The next next hour, the elder's wife finally got a chance to talk, and she scolded her husband. Those men told you two different stories, and you told them both they were absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. And the village elder turned to his wife and said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> this is week number four in our Love Hurts Challenge, dealing with relationships. Uh, today we're going to talk about conflict. Uh, what do you do when there's conflict with your spouse? How should we as followers of Jesus deal with trouble regarding our children? How, how should we deal with Fights with our parents, disputes with our in-laws, our neighbors, our co-workers. My guess is we have some village elders, some of you here. You're wired that way. You want to avoid conflict and you do everything you can. You're absolutely right. Uh, You attempt to make peace and avoid trouble, even if you have to stuff your feelings, stuff your hurts. Uh, some of us, that's the way the Lord wired. And some of us are on the other end of the spectrum. We speak truth very freely. Uh, we find ourselves speaking our mind all the time. Matter of fact, some of us deep down kind of enjoy mixing it up and debating and disagreeing with those around you and probably most of us are somewhere here in the middle here's the truth you ready even in the best relationships at times there's going to be disagreement even in the best families there's going to be squabbles even in the most wonderful friendships there's going to be a bit of strife at the workplace at times there's going to be some struggle in our church family Believe it or not, at times, there's disagreement. So the question today is, how do we fight fair? When there's conflict, how do we work through conflict in our relationships? What does God's instruction manual tell us to do when we're trying to solve something and there's disagreement and there's strife and there's some squabbling going on? How do we deal with that in our relationships. Well, I'm happy to report God's Word offers some guidance. Aren't you glad about that? We're not left on our own? Uh, Locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, Matthew chapter 18, because uh, we're going to get a clear path for dealing with conflict. Uh, When we're in a squabble, in a dispute with someone that the Lord has put in our path, How do we move forward in those areas? And uh, I'm happy again to report Jesus gives clear instructions. Okay, And here's what I've discovered. If you do it God's way, he will bless that. And God's way works. It might take some time, but in time, doing it God's way is the way of blessing, the way God intended for us to live. Would you not agree? If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17, out loud together. Here we go. Let's read together. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you, and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving us a path to deal and settle disputes. So I pray, Lord, that your word will speak clearly and strongly. I'm praying that your word might speak and nudge and prompt and correct us this morning. So we welcome you. We welcome your spirit, Jesus. Come today and take charge in your church. We need help to be wise, especially regarding relationships. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. Let's do some setting of the scene before we dig in, okay? Go back to chapter 18, uh, verses 1 to 6. Jesus warns, don't cause one of these little children in the kingdom to sin. So, Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you messing with children. And he, says, there, he brings a little child out in front of him to say what he's talking about. He says, strong warning, I love and care for children. Don't mess with children. Uh, chapter 7. Uh, chapter 18 verses 7 to 10 woe to the one who gives in to temptation and then he gets really strong he said it'd be better that you cut your hand or your leg or pluck your eye out than for you to fall and give in to temptation and give in to sin Uh, verses 11 to 14 again Matthew 18 Jesus loves his sheep so much catch this He's willing to leave 99 to go after the one who wanders away. Do You understand? I, I love sheep, I love my children so much that I'll leave 99 to go after the one who wanders and strays. And that leaves us nicely into verse 15, okay? And I think he's talking about that wandering sheep, the one who wanders into sin. He says, If you get into temptation, it's better that you just cut that part of your body off than to give in to sin. Verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Okay, pause for a moment with me. Jesus is not advocating picking fights here. He's not saying go and force an apology. Go, tell him you hurt me, you harm me. He's not saying you go to your Uncle Bill. How many of you got an Uncle Bill? I got two of them. Anyway, uh, hey, Uncle Bill, you offended me and it's sin. You better admit it's sin. You better admit it's wrong because you sinned against me and you better apologize. Not advocating that kind of action at all. Matter of fact, if you go back in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, Jesus says you have to love your enemies. Chapter 5, verse 44, pray for those who persecute you. Chapter 5, verse 39, don't resist an evil person. Turn the other cheek if they slap you. If a soldier demands you carry his gear, don't just go one mile, how far should you go? Go the extra mile. Go two miles. Chapter 5, verse 42. So if you read this, this verse 15 in context, you'll see Jesus is saying, keep the right heart. When you go to someone who sinned against you, go with the right heart. Don't go to win the war of words. Go to fight for the relationship. You're not going to win the fight, you're going to fight for restoration. Go and fight to be healed and to make peace with the person who's harmed you. So go with the right heart. So the first question in fighting fair in our families, with our friends, and on the job, at school, at church, do you have the right heart? Are you right with Christ? Have you taken the time to make sure that you've got Jesus' mind on what's going on? Anytime there's trouble, our first move, look at me, should be to run to Jesus. Sadly, when we're all filled with emotions and hurt, sometimes that's not where we're thinking. I'm all consumed with the harm and with the hurt, And I'm telling you, have I taken the time to go to Jesus and invite his spirit and his wisdom to soften my heart? Because I don't want to go and make things worse. I want to go and see restoration and healing take place in this relationship. So again, have I taken the time to go to the Lord? Because if I'm still hot and upset, and hurting, and bitter, because of the harm I've received, uh, and I'm not sensing the peace, and the love, and the patience towards this person who sinned against me, are you ready? Then I'm not ready yet to go and talk to him. Okay? Uh, uh, If I go now, and I try to work things out, and I'm still ticked, At the person, I'm still angry, I'm still upset and bitter. Instead of resolving the issue, track with me, it's going to get worse. Things are going to get worse because instead of seeking restoration and healing, I'm going to seek revenge and retribution, okay? This conflict is only going to get uglier and nastier and harder to resolve. I can't tell you how many times... I haven't listened to what I just explained, okay? And I suspect many of us, we could raise our hands and say, yeah, I went running in because I was upset and I was full of anger and bitterness and harm. And the fire, which was really just, just a small little fire as I went running in and I was hot and angry, grew and now suddenly it's an inferno. Do you understand what I'm saying? The key first step is to make sure before we talk or confront or attempt to work out a conflict with somebody, make sure you spend some serious time with the Lord Jesus. We looked at this in our uh, series in Galatians. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, get rid of that old sinful fleshy stuff and instead get filled, Galatians 5, 22 and 3, get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. You need to take the time, get rid of that old Jesus, just drive that old sinful nature out, and I need all of you and your spirit and your good fruit before I go and attempt to resolve this disagreement, this trouble, this dispute in our relationship. Listen close. Anything I do in old, sinful, selfish, Jeff, is just going to make the matter worse. Anything we do in our own power, and our own thinking, especially when we're worked up and we're a little angry and a little ticked and hurt, it's only going to make things worse. So, this is key. If you don't catch anything else here, the first step Go and spend some good time with Jesus. The best way to ruin a good relationship, just go charging in <laughs> to the person who harmed you. Start spewing angry, heated words at them. Likely they're going to return fire, and now the relationship is in shreds. Okay? So have you taken the time to get right with Jesus and hear him. And allow Him to soften your heart. And allow Him to show you what you need to say and when to proceed. Okay? So, that's huge. That's number one. The second step is back in verse 15. If another believer sins against you. If another believer, what's the next word? Against you. We'll we'll do another run at this. If another believer sins against me okay make sure here's the second step make sure you're dealing with sin because sometimes what you're dealing with is not sin okay we often confuse personal preference or disputable matters or this is just something that annoys me or this is just something i don't like okay uh, we, disp- we confuse something the Bible calls disputable. It's an issue that two people who love Jesus equally can disagree on. The key question, Lord, would you show me, is what I'm upset about, what I'm troubled about, is this sin? Or is it just a misunderstanding? Lord, is this situation sin? Or is it just something I disagree with? I have a different opinion on Jesus, is this sin or is this something that you call disputable and we can have different opinions and still be right with you? Okay? Here's here's a good thought. We need a verse from God's instruction manual for life before we go to someone and, and you're dealing with sin. Lord, I need a verse. This is your instruction manual for life. Would you show me a verse that, that makes it clear that what we're talking about is sin. I'm not saying that at times even disagreements or this, this annoys me or I just disagree with this, that, that it doesn't hurt at times. Um, but what I'm saying is this is the, the book that outlines what sin is and is not. So, before we continue in this process, we need to step back and ask the Lord to make it clear. Is this sin? Or is this just a a personal preference? Is this sin? Or is this just something that bugs me and annoys me and I disagree with? Now, if, if after asking that question you're still not sure, now it's time To find someone that you trust, that knows God's word well, you go to Susan and you say, hey Susan, you've followed Jesus for a long time, would you help me out here? I need to know, is this sin or is this a disputable matter? Help me, Uh, Pastor Chad, uh, Pastor Brandt, uh, find someone that you respect, your favorite Bible person and, and say, hey, I need some help. Is this a sin issue? Help me out. And now some of you are thinking, but, but if I give them all the details, isn't that gossip? Listen close. Let me give you a little little hint. You don't have to name names as you seek some advice. I don't need to tell Pastor Chad the names of all. You can explain the situation and leave the name out. Okay? You might have to think a little bit on that, but, but you don't need to name names. Well, I think they'll figure it out. Well, that's between them and the Lord. You didn't name a name, okay? So as you go, you can explain a situation and not uh, gossip as you do that. If it's not sin, I'm not saying you won't need to talk to the person, but you deal differently with things that irritate you and annoy you and are disputable than when you've been sinned against, okay? First step. Stop, and I think this the first step is the key here. Wait on the Lord. Lord, would you show me uh, your heart in this? Give me wisdom. Fill me with your spirit and give me the ability to resist the urge to go charging in while I'm still angry. Second step uh, in dealing with trouble in a relationship, you need to determine whether this is sin or not. Lord, make it clear. Give me a verse or two, uh, and I'll go to someone if I need to that I respect to help me understand. Is this sin or not? Um, Third step in dealing with disputes in a relationship. Okay, Here's the third step. Ask the Lord to show you, is this a big deal or not? (laughs) Is this something that has given me hurt and pain and trouble? Lord, is this something I can give to you and leave it alone and I don't need to go to the person? Or is this something that I'm not going to be able to let it go unless I go and talk to the person? Okay, Does, Does that make sense? Is this something, a situation where I need to go talk with them? Or is it something I can just give it to you and let it go? Not every offense... Is worth mentioning you understand that right some things are little and you can leave them between you and the Lord clearly a child is going to get more grace than most adults it probably matters is this a repeated offense has this person done the same thing this sin over and over that may determine whether you can leave it alone or you need to go back Um, again uh, we are going to say Lord I need you to help me out here Um, I'm going to give it to you and if it keeps coming back Henry probably I'm going to have to go and deal with it Okay, probably going to have to go uh, and and move on to the next step let me give you a a verse here Proverbs 19.11 explains what I'm talking about it says sensible people control their temper They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Isn't that good? Okay? Sensible people uh, control their temper. They don't always have to go running off. And sometimes you can overlook wrongs, overlook things that are done to you, and just move on. Okay? Um, But if it's not going away, and if you're saying, uh, Lord, I don't think I can move on without going to that person then it's probably time to move on to the next step. Here we go. Uh, Fourth step in dealing with sin in a relationship, back to verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. Okay? Okay. Fourth step is to take action and go and get it resolved. Okay, I'm not going to gossip and tell the whole world about what this person has done. I'm not just going to wallow in it and feel awful. I'm not going to hold it inside. I'm not going to plot revenge. I'm not going to deny it ever happened. I'm going to ask you, Lord, give me compassion. Give me care. Give me your heart for this person who sinned against me and help me go with peace and patience and kindness as I seek to resolve this issue, this sin issue between us, okay? But now is the time to go privately first, meaning just you and the person who has sinned against you. Uh, And you're going to go and speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15. I'm going to go just between them and me and speak the truth with love. I just want to pause for a moment. If there's a minor involved, uh, then I would argue it's good, it's wise. A guardian, a parent, or a guardian should go with a child if a child is involved in such a situation. Does that make sense? So, I I think there is wisdom that you need to add, but as you go, and it's just between you and the person who sinned against you, um, and now you're going to be specific, okay? You lied to me in this situation. You uh, embarrassed and said awful things about me in this situation. Uh, You stole this item from me, lay out your evidence for why you believe they sinned against you. okay? Not your assumptions, not why you think they might have done it. Just lay out the facts. okay? Um, now we go in private because we might be mistaken. Does that make sense? Uh, I, you stole my golf club and you find it three weeks later. Uh, down where you never look, okay? So I go because I could be wrong. I detail the facts as I know them. I'm not going to yell at them. I'm not going to give them the silent treatment. I'm not going to give them a piece of my mind. I go privately because I want to make sure they understand love covers a multitude of sins, okay? Okay? I don't want lots of people knowing about this situation at first, why? Because my purpose isn't to embarrass them, my purpose isn't to shame them, my purpose is to be restored to them, okay? And and I don't go uh, loudly in front of a crowd, we go privately just them and me, okay? They might not be aware. They might not have understood. Uh, It could have been a mistake. Perhaps I went to the wrong person. That's happened before. We, We might have a blind spot. We might have missed a key fact. We go privately. We explain what's going on clearly, graciously, truthfully. And then with Jesus' ears, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear how they respond back to me, okay? Because I want to go and lay out the facts with love and grace and truth, and now I'm ready to listen. Um, can I just say, this long term is healthy for relationships. Well, when we need to do this, many of you are going, no, 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 not me, please don't make me. Uh, a tested relationship is the best relationship. And this is good And after hearing each other out and listening in love, if they say, you know what, you're right, I did sin against you, I did harm you, I'm really sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? Guess what? The situation is resolved. The the, the hurt is now ended and healing can now begin. Uh, The dispute has been solved and you can shout hallelujah, doing it God's way has won the day. And we should just be cheering because, wow, wouldn't that be great if it worked out that way? But what do we do if the person we've gone to doesn't listen? They, they, they disagree and no and they're, they're upset and, and things are still at a loggerhead. What, what, do, you, what do you do? Verse 16 explains what happens next. Here we go. But if you're unsuccessful, then you take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Okay? Fifth step, increase the pressure (laughs) by involving others. Okay? You're going to increase the pressure uh, to get the situation resolved by getting help from others. I I would argue you should take someone, if you can, that both parties know. Uh, If you can find uh, a person or two or three, find somebody that both sides respect. Take someone who's mature in the faith, um, who has discernment. Take someone... Who can be objective. Don't take your mom with you. Do you understand? Don't take your wife with you because uh, they're already cheering on your team. Take someone who's objective. Uh, now, uh, some of you are thinking right now, this is way too much, Pastor Jeff. This is too hard. This is too much of a hassle. Uh, I'm just going to write this person off. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. I'm going to cancel them for my life. And I would argue, no, no, we don't. We don't cancel people just because it's hard. We do this because we love Jesus. Do you understand? We love Jesus, and relationships matter to Jesus, so they matter to us. Even if it's hard, we do the hard stuff. Because Jesus did the hard stuff for us. Amen? Okay? So, Deuteronomy 19.5 is what he's quoting here. Uh, Every charge needs to be established. That's why you take two or three witnesses with you. Just the facts. Stay on topic. And the witnesses determine, Yep, this is legit. Nope, it's not legit. It's bogus. Move on. We don't go with witnesses and try to figure out the other person's motives. Who knows the motives and the thoughts and the intents of the heart? Only the person and God. Okay? So don't go in saying, I've got to figure it out. You know why you did. No, you don't. We avoid being overly emotional or dramatic. We don't try to gang up on the person and blindside him. We go privately. If he listens and confesses, it's over. And now you've taken witnesses, and the goal, again, isn't to win. Isn't to win the war of words. It's not to teach them a lesson. And you better never do that again. No, the goal is to see the relationship restored. The goal here is to see this person become a friend once again. To to become someone that you don't feel ugly towards, it's to see the animosity and the anger drained, and healing can begin. So, you've done all the steps so far, uh, the first five. Uh, you've talked with the Lord. You've gotten right with the Lord. You've determined it is sin. Um, Now you've went privately, now you've taken witnesses, but the situation still isn't solved. What do you do now, okay? What do we do now uh, if they still won't listen, they still won't call it sin, and they won't own the hurt and the harm? Go back to the text, verse 17. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Okay, we're talking about Jesus followers here. Okay, does this apply to non-church people? The principles do, Uh, but it's going to be tougher. Move on, take your case to the church. Then if she or he won't accept the church's decision, what do you do then? Treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. Okay, sixth and final step is this. Take the situation to the leaders of the church, okay? It's it's their job, it's their responsibility to deal with spiritual sin issues, okay? You've gone privately, you've taken two or three witnesses, now it's time for the spiritual authorities to take over, okay? Has this ever happened here at Walloon? Yeah, in my 32 years, uh, about 10 times. I was trying to think through, and uh, about 10 times, um, the church would send out two or three elders, go talk, uh, go full of Jesus, go attempt to restore the relationship, go and listen and pray. Um, if they refuse that, Here's what we've done. We, we send, send the team. We send all the lifeguards possible. If they're in a community, small group, send the small group. Uh, send the people that served with them. Send the people that were close. Send friends. Send as many lifeguards as possible to swim out and tell the person who's in sin, you know what? You're drowning. And we don't want you to go under. We want you to come back. We love you. We want you back in the family. Do the U-turn and come on home. Good news, um, those 10 that we've swam out to, three times they listened. So three times had a happy ending. And uh, they actually confessed and repented and came back to the church family Um, came back to their family, and we rejoiced, and we said, thank you, Jesus. Sadly, in the other six or seven situations, there's one I was still not exactly sure that happens. Um, They rejected our reaching out to them. They rejected belonging to the church family, and they chose to live long term in their sinfulness, okay? No longer a member of the the church no longer attending. They said no thanks, we're going to go swim in the ocean of sin and Satan and this fallen world. Okay? It says, go back to verse 17. This is interesting. Treat them like a pagan, like a corrupt tax collector. Okay? Uh it means that you're no longer in close relationship. You're no longer uh hanging out. You're not angry. You're not filled with animosity. They've chosen to reject the church family. They no longer want anything to do. So every time they come to mind, I still have some of those people I pray for. Um, And if they would come back home, we would rejoice. I would rejoice just like the father did with the prodigal son. We would rejoice and run to meet them. If they decided to come home, we would praise the Lord and uh, treat them as someone who needs Jesus is really what he's saying. Treat them as though they they don't know the Lord because that's the way they're behaving. Conflict in relationships, too important to ignore, too important to excuse. Because of our love for Jesus and his instruction manual, we're challenged, do it according to the book. Can I tell you something? It works. Do it according to God's word. It's been tried and proven over and over again. Okay? Let's review the steps as we close. First, make sure you've taken the time to take this conflict to Jesus and allow his spirit to soften my heart. If I'm the one who's been harmed, allow the anger to subside long before I'm ready to go talk to anybody. Second step, make sure what I'm dealing with is sin. Make sure there's a verse in God's Word that calls what we're dealing with sin. Third step, ask the Lord to show you, is this a big deal or not? Meaning, Lord, can I give you this hurt and leave it with you and I'm going to be okay? Or is this something that won't leave me alone and I need to take it to the person who offended me to be okay fourth step go privately just you and the person Uh, speak truth with love speak graciously and if they listen and and they confess and they make it right it's over the relationship the conflict is done fifth step increase the pressure take two or three witnesses take godly mature people who love Jesus sixth step Take it to the church. Bring the issue to the church leaders, okay? And it will be on that person whether or not they're going to listen to their authorities in the church or not. One of my favorite verses as we close, Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good, or we'll put it New Living Translation. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. How? And I'm arguing doing it God's way. Doing it according to God's instruction manual for our lives. That's, that's the good way. That's the way that works. This is a good and godly way to deal with conflict. The question is, are, are we willing to do it God's way? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us a road map to follow as relationships uh, sometimes break down and don't do well. And Lord, thank you for uh, giving us clarity on what to do and how to do it. And I pray, Lord, that we in your church would follow your roadmap every time. And here's what you need to know. The first relationship that needs healing is the relationship between you and God Almighty. And that relationship has been broken, and it's been broken by sin. The good news here this morning, Jesus moved towards you to bridge that gap between you and holy, righteous God. And Jesus came to earth to bring new life, peace, joy, and he's offering that to you here now. That's the first relationship that needs to be restored. Lived a sinless life, took your place and mine on the cross, shed his blood, wash and cleanse our sin problem, took our place in the grave. Early Sunday morning, he arose from the dead. Will you believe those facts? Will you welcome Jesus? And receive him as your Savior and Lord today. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship with you that you took care of. You took care of it on the cross and that empty tomb. We praise you for that. Help us now, because of what you've done, to take good care of relationships with those around us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.